And we can take some time now uh, for uh, any remaining questions uh, or comments on our uh, practice and exploration this weekend. Good afternoon. This is, um, I guess, pertaining to the practice and your practice, too. I'm noticing that you've had a background in NVC where uh, Marshall Rosenberg, which I'm familiar with in practice, too, uh, basically on, on awareness and a lot of his precepts were based on uh, study of Buddhism too. So on your observation, feelings, and needs, mm -hmm. and being uh, more in balance with equanimity, mm -hmm. how would you comment that that has been an asset in your practice? Hmm. I'm tempted to give you a glib answer. <laughs> I just wrote a book about it. <laughs> It'll be out in December. It's called Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication. Um, yeah, the, the two really go hand in hand, Buddhist practice and nonviolent communication for me. The, the teachings of the Dharma in terms of uh, embodied awareness and uh, equanimity provide the foundation for being able to engage in dialogue and relationship skillfully and to investigate the thoughts, emotions, and deeper needs in our, in our heart and mind. And the training of nonviolent communication provides a very potent structure for understanding our relationships, our thoughts, emotions, and needs, and uh, engaging in a, uh, a, way, a collaborative way to establish enough understanding and connection that, so that we can work together to meet as many needs as possible. So they, they really support each other. And for me, uh, nonviolent communication has been a very central piece in being able to translate my, my Buddhist practice into action in the world because it gave me a lot of the tools to be able to speak and understand uh, from the perspective of um, innate goodness, uh, nonviolence, and compassion in ways that I wasn't finding as much uh, traction with the Dharma. So I, I'm also... Um, I'm teaching an online course that starts next month um, looking at the intersection of mindfulness and NVC. So for anyone who's interested, it's a, it's a, a place to explore some of, some of that terrain. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, also just to uh, invite those who maybe haven't spoken uh, today or over the course of the weekend, if you're sitting with a question, it's a, I welcome you to share your voice with us.
Thank you for your teaching. Um, most, at least as I interpret it, most of what you have said has the underlying context of um, an affirmative action, uh, an, uh, a gential action, saying yes to something. Yes, I will do this activity. Uh, yes, I will go to this committee meeting. Yes, I will engage my partner over mm -hmm. dinner. Mm -hmm. um, the old aphorism, if you can't say no, you can't really say yes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I've always had trouble psychologically saying no, mm -hmm. which has gotten me into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that same uh, underlayment of saying yes would apply equally to the methodology or the intentionality of how to say no. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's important to say, be able to say no, to um, recognize the limits of our resources, you know, and to find ways to say no that are loving, that don't uh, um, diminish connection. Because right? that's that's the that's the danger in saying no is that someone hears. I, you don't care about me, rather than I would love to say yes, but I'm not able to because of these reasons. And that's, that's a wonderful way to say no, to be able to tell the person, I so wish I could say yes. I would like to be able to assist or help or do this in this way. And here are the, here's what's getting in the way. Here are the reasons why that won't work for me. And then it can become a, a dialogue, you know, if I can make sure that these things are taken care of, then maybe there's some other way that we can work this out. But the way it's currently configured, I won't be able to do that without a significant cost to myself that I'm not willing at present to incur. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I just have a question about... Um, back to finding that balance of when you sort of know what your intention is or what it is, you know, you're trying to sit with or and essentially hopefully overcome, that balance of, like, how far to go into it and when to step away. And if you are in sort of the thick of it with your life, um, in kind of multiple challenges going on, and you only have that 10, 20 minutes every day that you can really allot to meditating. Um, I mean, I've learned so much this weekend, so I really appreciate that. But I guess I'm just curious if you could say a little bit more about, you know, the, cause, uh, about the emotions getting into it and just spending that time as well for my well-being as I can <laughs> during that amount of time. and Maybe you need more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you need to say no. Right. I know. To a few things. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but I'm also not, right? Well, a, I, a piece of it is, um, is chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of 
so it's not it's so when I say getting into it, it's also just dealing with the pain and illness. Mm-hmm. So I do believe you're. <laughs> I, I need to be able to do a lot more time to it. And it's something I'm working on, yeah. but have definitely have some blocks with that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, it can also look a lot of different ways. Like sometimes, especially if there's a period of intensity, it might not look like you know. I'm going to sit with this now and be with it. It might look like taking a swim or a long walk or journaling or painting, you know, but particularly when there is a lot happening, I think our heart needs time to process stuff. And sometimes it, it actually just needs time to not think about what's happening, but also to not be doing something else either. Right. <laughs> just, that, just that fallow time and then the, the sort of consciousness kind of starts to work things out on its own. And there can be a way in which when we're facing some difficulty, we keep ourselves busy to avoid being with it. Mm-hmm. And then it actually starts to get bigger because that pressure, that resistance actually gives it energy. Whereas if we can just, just you know, carve out some space Without, because we, 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 we mistake that, you know, oh, if I take time, I have to really, be, you know, be with this. And so then we don't take any time rather than, well, maybe I can take some time off and not be with this and just, you know, go hang out with my girlfriends or watch a movie or, you know, and just kind of unwind some. It could be really, really healthy and helpful. And then as far as the formal practice goes, I think it's really important to make sure that you're giving adequate time to building the the resource and resilience and really leaning into the nourishing qualities that that may be present, even with chronic pain, to look for what is soothing, what is uh, or you know what is less stressful, is less painful. And depending on your condition, it might it might mean, uh, doing more movement practice than walking practice, uh, than, sit- than stillness practice. Mm-hmm. If the pain is more with the stillness, it might mean walking or yoga, qigong, swimming, that kind of thing, which you can be very mindful with, mm-hmm. you know. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I actually appreciate the question that you asked, David, because um, what I was going to to, uh, to talk about actually was the saying no. We get a lot of, I, I appreciated the word demand in that quote that, you, um, that yes. you had, because there are so many demands that are made on us right now, especially with the proliferation of emails. Yes in a world that um, it's not to our liking in many ways. So we're getting bombarded with requests for help, with requests for, you know, funds, with requests for action. And and trying to find that place in our hearts where we aren't guilty. You know, I mean, the guilt comes in so much. So when we start talking about being equanimous, you know, I have to realize that in some ways I'm kind of covering over a guilt, too, that I might have, that I, I can't participate in all these things that I'm being asked for or help out in all of these ways. And um, 
I'm, I'm trying to find that place of balance. Um, and I think part of the skills of saying no are, is all, it's all involved in that. It's yeah. in the skills of saying not right now. Right. But sometimes we don't, the other party doesn't hear that or that we keep, we keep getting bombarded by all these requests to keep acting. And, um, and the heart sometimes just says, I'm not ready or I can't do all of that right now. But it sometimes doesn't feel right just to say no. And I'm trying, I, that's a little bit of my struggle right now, is maybe trying to do too much um, and feeling okay with the saying no part. Yeah. And making space for the complexity of that experience, right? Making, yeah, exactly. That's making really space what for the, because again, it's like our conditioned tendency is to avoid that which is uncomfortable. So we will push against those feelings of guilt or remorse or discomfort in consciousness. We will try to avoid them because they're uncomfortable. And instead to be able to, with practice, to see like, oh, wow, look at, look at how much tension is there. What would it be like to actually soften and relax and turn towards this experience, to include it, and then to feel the, um, the predicament of I so wish I had more time, energy, resources to give it's so heartbreaking to have to say no I've, or to choose to say no. Some of it I've been trying to work into compassion practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other heart practice yes. that, um, to me, when I can't participate exactly in what I'm asking for, what right. they're asking for, then I can work that into those are the groups that I'm sending my, yeah. my compassion towards. And having it? compassion for yourself, too. And, all right. Thank you. <laughs> Just behind you, um, The Previous question actually um, reminded me of something that's kind of been bothering me at the back of my mind. Um, it's kind of related um, in a sense that we, sometimes we get a close friend or loved one or a family member asking for help. And in this situation of trying to be compassionate, like the person's busy, you know, setting up something and we, they wanted us to drop something off for them. But at that time, in that moment, we don't, we don't have the resources. We feel frazzled. Maybe we had a bad day and feeling torn between, but I should be a helpful person. But then mm -hmm. wanting to say no, but, you know, and offending the other person. It's like, why can't you help? Like, obviously, they're in need. Like, as a good friend, shouldn't I want to help them? Mm -hmm. Like, put myself, put them first. Mm -hmm. But feeling at the same time that, you know, I had a long day, I can't do this right now. Like, yeah. knowing how to say no, or if it's the right time to say no. Mm. no. Yeah. Life's messy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think that there's a, there's a area of training around communication that's very important. I've spent a lot of time in my adult life and practice exploring it because uh, most of us don't get the training to learn how to navigate those situations, you know, and we want so much to be able, I think, to um, uh, 
to be seen for our best intentions and to be responsive to one another's needs in a way that has space for both of us instead of the kind of either or, right? And so we need to develop capacities and skills to navigate that terrain without cutting off, right? Without cutting off and saying, no, I can't, or okay, fine, and cutting off from ourself, right? To be able to stay in the tension of, I don't know. I'd like to be able to say, yes, I'm totally exhausted and I don't know if I can, but I want to figure this out together in a way that works for both of us. Can we talk about it? And again, maybe in the back. We have time for just one or two more. Come to the, come to the retreat in New Mexico mm-hmm. with Donald and I. We'll have a whole week to explore how to, how to do that. Yes. Do this. No, no, do this. Right now, do this. But feel it. You feeling it? That's embodied awareness. Awareness in your body. It means being aware from the inside of our felt experience. It's not complicated. It's very accessible. Um, As a student and practitioner of Marshall Rosenberg's work Mm -hmm. as well, um, I would like to just share something that that I've learned, which is, it's called, What's the Yes Behind the No? Mm -hmm. He says we are always saying yes to life, and that the yes, when we're saying no to something, we're saying yes to something else. And so we can turn it around to, What are we actually saying yes to? So if I can't go be with my friend or serve that person, I'm saying yes to needing rest. So I love that personally. You know, what are we saying yes to? You know, what's the yes behind the no? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great. So I'd like to transition here so that we can honor everyone's time and... um, and on time. And um, first, just again to express my gratitude to all of you for coming and spending time together this weekend. It's been a real joy to get to be here and, uh, and share with you. And uh, thank you again to uh, Sharon and Greg and Bonita and Carol and Kathy and Mick and others on the retreat committee and the board of White Heron Sangha who helped make this uh, weekend retreat possible. Um, please feel free to stay in touch. Uh, if you didn't sign up for my email list and you, you would like to hear about what I'm doing, um, open invitation to do so. 
Um, or if not, uh, feel free to just check my website from time to time. It's orangejsofer.com. And uh, articles, audio talks, and uh, a list of uh, teaching events around the country and online. Yes? So if we put our email on there, you'll notify us when the book comes out? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you will hear. My marketing person will make sure that I do my job and let you know. Um, so I have been recording the talks, and I will post them on Dharma Seed um, probably tomorrow. So uh, if you like, I could send out an email to everyone. Yeah, so if you sign up on the email list, I'll send out a note when, uh, when those are up on Dharma Seed. Yeah, and then you can go back and check anything you want to listen to again. Great. So... Um, in formally closing, we'd like to uh, do a dedication of merit. And just to say a word or two about this, this concept of merit. Um, it uh, can sound a little bit otherworldly. Um, the, uh, the understanding is that you know, when we do anything, just in the same sense of, uh, of karma, any actions that we... Uh, that we consciously and intentionally undertake um, carry a certain force to them. And that whenever we do something good with our time, with our energy, with our mind, um, that those actions carry a kind of moral force. And that that energy can actually be directed or offered uh, in certain ways. And uh, so it's uh, traditional within Buddhist cultures and uh, Buddhist practice to offer the goodness of one's practice or time together to those in need, um, those, those suffering in various ways. This can be people that we know, uh, people that we don't know, um, and uh, even, even beyond, just outward to all, all beings everywhere, with the recognition that um, even as we are in the best position to alleviate our own suffering. Uh, we don't do this practice just for ourselves. That ultimately do, we do this practice for the benefit of one another and for the betterment of, uh, of our world. That the more wisdom and kindness and compassion we have, the more we have to give and share with others. The more uh, we can make this world a place where all, all life uh, is honored and respected. Uh, so to that end, we wanted to offer a dedication of merit, and I'd like to invite someone from the Sangha up uh, to do the first part of our dedication. I have the microphone. So I'm uh, Nancy Hilliard, and um, we'd like to dedicate the merit today to Bobby Scott, who is a member of the Sangha. Mo- many of you know her. She's um, actually the person whose office the first few people of the Sangha met in in 1989. 
And so from that little group, this sangha grew and has moved from place to place, as many of you know, until we've found a home here. Um, I think Bobby has been an inspiration to me ever since I've known her. She's a, a true student of the Dharma, and um, she has lived her life very courageously and skillfully. She has struggled. I wouldn't even say struggled. She has had uh, rheumatoid arthritis since she was a young woman, and um, and she had a sense of equanimity and and. Uh, joy in her life that has been remarkable to me. So um, now she is uh, ill, very ill, and uh, so we would like to send all the fruits of our day of two days of practice, particularly on equanimity to her, and uh, all our blessings. So holding Bobby Scott in our hearts. Even as we receive the blessings of her life here together in this room because of her good actions, so too can we offer the goodness of this time to her in this time of transition. And so just invite you to turn your attention inwards and calling to mind any other beings in your own life or beyond that you'd like to share the goodness of our time together with. So for Bobby Scott, for the loved ones in our lives, and widening circles out beyond, may the goodness and wholesome energy of our time together be in service of the peace, the happiness, and the freedom of all beings everywhere. May there be more peace on this planet. May there be more peace. May there be more peace. Thank you so much for your practice. I look forward to seeing you again down the road. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support Oren's work, you can donate at orenjsofer.com forward slash support. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.